0: I felt like this morning, as we were, as we are in worship, that God put um, a word in my heart. Uh, shift. That, that there's people here this morning. You you need a shift, man. You just need a and and a shift speaks to me of where you were to where you're going to be, where you were to where you you're going to shift. Shift also speaks to me of something that's like, okay. I mean, if you think about this, uh, there. Oh, you were in neutral. Now you're going to be going forward. You know what? You are neutral. Or some of you, maybe some of us, we were in reverse, man. But now it's time to go shift into forward. Amen. And then the other thought I had before I pray this is all like free stuff, right? The thing that I had, I felt in my spirit is that make room for a miracle. I mean, make room for a miracle. Sometimes in our faith, we just kind of get lulled to sleep and we forget. That God is the God of miracles, and that His house is a house of miracles. I'm so glad we sang that song this morning so so Jesus, I praise you today, and I thank you so much for your presence and I thank you that god oh lord it just it just feels like worship worship terrifies the enemy, Lord just terrifies the enemy, Lord, I remember i just just remembering that. Uh, when the walls of Jericho came down, that You sent Your people first to circle it. You know, to circle it. Just walking the walk of worship and then making a sound. Making a shout. And Lord, I just praise You and thank You today. Help me to communicate clearly. Help me to help me to to, to just teach and preach what I feel like You put on my heart. And help us to receive in the name of Jesus. Amen. They all said amen. Let's put our hands together and give the Lord a praise this morning if we can. Thank You, Jesus. So I've I've entitled the the message this morning guarding well guarding well, um, and you know I'm just overwhelmed by by the presence of God moving in so many people in so many lives in the last few months. I mean God's always moving, He's always working, He's always active, but I mean we're just kind of seeing like a a shift, you know, we're seeing like a a momentum, and this is not just. It are, in our church community. It's like across the nation. I'm just hearing stories of, of God moving. And, and I think part of it is because, you know, every, every idol in our nation was really torn down. The idol of recreation, the idol of sports, the idol of finances, the idol of government, the idol of, you know what I'm saying? And it's almost like people are like, okay, what's the real deal? And the real deal has always been and always will be Jesus. So I just feel like there's this turning and a shifting. You know, where people are like, okay, I'm not going to find my satisfaction in, 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 in or my identity and what I do, my vocation, my this and that. I got to find it in him first. And all these other things will be added to me. Seek first the kingdom of God. Amen. But I've seen countless young people, for example, give their, give or recommit their lives to the Lord in our, in our house youth services. I mean, there's something that's kind of crazy. They let me hang around every once in a while. And uh, there's something crazy about being here with like over a hundred young people and the place is just charged with expectation. You know, I mean, it's just, it's really, it's amazing. And if you heard how many people, how many young people have given their lives just this year to the Lord, you'd just be absolutely shocked and blessed. And we've seen like in our, <clears throat> in our ladies bloom conference, you know, we saw just hundreds and hundreds of ladies that were just touched, impacted in different churches that partnered together. We seen uh, last weekend with our men with Summit. I mean, just over the. Uh, I mean, just off the hook. Uh, where, where God is. Is that all I get, guys? Come on, man. You. I tried. Oh, you tried. <clears throat> and and you know it just like with our with our men's uh, the men in our church. It just keeps moving. It just keeps going to another level. And it's not that we're working harder. It's that God is moving and calling men to another level of relationship. How many of you know, now, men, you know this, but and probably women, you know this too. We can be satisfied with superficial levels of relationship. We can. You know what I find out is most women don't. They can't. You know that there's there's more of a willingness to be in a depth. And to go to a different level in relation. But men are like, hey, how are you doing? I said, you last week, cool. We go, right, right, cool. Right, bro, right on. That's it. What do you do, dude? I well, you know, Run a chainsaw. Cool, man, you're awesome. Hunt a little bit. I mean, we don't go next level relationally. But God is calling men to go next level relationship. Because next level relationship actually changes every other relationship that you have, and you have to make a decision to do that. There's a decision, and the different levels of relationship d- dictate how you respond in that relationship. See, we make a decision as well when it comes to the level of relationship that we walk to. The question is, are we going to the next level? For example, when I met Robbie, and there was like, oh, I can't, wow, I like the way she looks. She wasn't anything like I planned. Can, can I just say that? I mean, I kind of hoped for somebody that was like a little taller than five one, and maybe some basketball players, you know, et cetera. Even though I did have them, they just they weren't, you know, like long tall. <laughs> but there was a point in time where it's like ah, I, I, I like it, but we had to make a decision: do we take this relationship to the next level? And when we did, then it changed our behavior. And, and, and here's, here's the thing. Jesus has already decided that he wants to take the relationship with you and I to the next level. He's already made the decision. He's already got to the point where he's paid the price. And now, now the, the invitation is, are you ready for that next level relationship? And I believe this is what is happening as we, as we even use the term revival. See, John 15, 16, Jesus said, you did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name he may give it to you. And I just love that where he's already made the decision and he's just waiting. He's he's and and the word says that if I be lifted up, Jesus said if I be lifted up I will draw all men to me. Can you feel the draw? Can you feel the draw to the next level of relationship just in that in that grace and that love so I believe that the hunger for intimacy is what's, what's really leading and driving this. It's not the hunger for intimacy, not the hunger for religion, but the hunger for authentic relationship is drawing people closer to God, encountering the Holy Spirit and changing lives. So when God meets you and you meet him in one of those life-changing encounters, how do you respond? You know, what, what is your response? So, you know, um, I remember being like in seventh grade, and I was obnoxious. I was loud, you know. I I was just like, "Oh man, immature!" You know, you know what I'm saying. I mean, how many of you like being around like immature people? Oh my gosh! And 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 I went. I got invited to this. um, I got invited to a youth camp. And this youth camp absolutely changed my life. Man, I encountered Jesus like I'd never encountered him. And something transpired in me, something changed. And I, I I go home and I've got this, um, I've got this older stepsister. And I mean, we did not have a good relationship. You know, I didn't really like her. She didn't like me. And I was like that. I was like that bratty kid, but I was bigger than her. That you know, I was like, You're not the boss of me. You know, I mean, that kind of an attitude. I go home, something has totally changed. I mean, I'm loving her, I'm blessing her, I'm all that. Now, but after about a week, she looks at me and goes, What happened to you? And I'm, you know, at the time I'm like, I don't know, I just, I I just I just I just love you and I love Jesus. You know, that lasted for like one more week. And then it like went away. Because I didn't know how to fan it. I didn't know how to foster it. I didn't know how to guard it. I didn't know how to build on it. I mean, I came away with this glow thing and this changing thing. And then basically life, stuff, it just dissipated. And I kind of turned back into the same person I was before. See, I'd been touched by the Holy Spirit. I felt the weight of like teenage dumb fall off my shoulders. But I didn't have anyone to even model for me. How How do you guard stuff like that? How do you guard what God has deposited in your life? How do you make sure it's not just the glow moment? And... How do you make sure it's something that's more consistent? First of all, I want, to, I want to talk to you this morning. I want you to know that God actively guards. God is a guarder. He actively guards. Let me show you this in Scripture. 2 Timothy 1.12 Paul writes, This is why I suffer as I do, but I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I've believed, and I'm convinced that He is able to guard. Somebody say guard. He is able to guard Until that day, that which has been entrusted to me. And then another translation puts it a little different. In the New King James, it says, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I believed and am persuaded that He is able to keep guard what I've committed to Him until that day. And so you see that God is able to guard look at look look at this there's a lot of guarding going on on our behalf that we need to be reminded of. Could you throw me some water really quick? oh you could throw it no she actually a couple of weeks ago if you were here she threw something at me on stage uh, on the platform she did i did she didn't hit me though huh It's just too quick ninja like. She throws like a girl. She couldn't hit me. Oh, snap! I always pay the price for this later. Just saying. Hey, it's good to have fun in church. It's okay. If you came in here and you are kind of thinking, wow, this is going to be... No, this is not going to be one of those places. There's a joy of the Lord is here. Amen. Okay, so there's a lot of guarding that's going on that we need to be reminded of. Psalm 91, Psalm 91.11 says, For He will command His angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Wow. Psalm 28 says, The Lord is the strength of His people, and He's the saving refuge of His anointed. He is the strength of His people. Oh my goodness! You're kidding me. My wife just texted me. Y'all know that while I'm preaching, seriously. And she said, "There's that seventh grade boy right there." <laughs> oh, 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 oh man. Okay. Spring bring it down, people. Bring it down. <laughs> okay. Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength the very present time or very present help in trouble. 2 Thessalonians 3.3, 3, y'all. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. God is actively guarding. So here's a big idea. You've been given something, guard it. And when you've been given a great gift, cherish it. Cherish it. See 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 when God if God watches over the things that you entrust to him if God guards them why not guard what he entrusts to you I mean he's guarding we're guarding we're walking together in 1 Timothy 6:20 Paul writes again oh Timothy guard the deposit entrusted to you and avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. Oh man, to me that is so rich right there if I broke that down to be like, okay, how do I guard the deposit entrusted to me? Avoid stupid talk. Because there's a lot of just flapping of the gums going on right now with a lot of stuff. You, you, you know, live above that stuff. You know, don't walk in it. Another translation and i say that because it says avoiding worldly and empty chatter avoid the you know that that first passage that irreverent i want you to say that word irreverent because we're going to see it later again second timothy 1:14 here is paul again speaking to timothy again and he says by the holy spirit who dwells within us guard the good deposit entrusted to you so so god who who gives and deposits spiritual gifts he also he also gives hope, he gives healing, he gives restoration, he gives momentum. He gives repair, he gives financial breakthrough, he gives mental peace or resolution. He releases promises. And these are all things that that you have to you have to you have to recognize, okay, well, how how do I guard this? I'll give you one example. Like for example, God, we believe that God heals. We we see God heal. Does God heal everybody and everything? No, we don't see it all. We're just called to actually pray Jesus does the healing. But I know that I you have to contend for some of these things. I'm going to get into that a little bit later. Whatever God gives you, guard it. You don't guard what you don't consider to be valuable. We're really good at guarding stuff in the natural. Not so much in the spiritual. Like, for example, uh, you know, one of the things I love to do in the fall is, is go out camping and, you know, we've got our trailer and, and whatnot. And one of the things I like about this trailer that we have, it's got this little cable guard thing on. So you can actually, you can actually unlock this thing and pull this, this cable out and you can wrap it around your generator or your four wheeler or anything that's kind of valuable and you can guard it, right? I love that about it. But you know what I don't guard? I don't guard when I have a garbage sack out there. Right? I was like, "Oh, there's a garbage sack. I need to put my cable around that garbage sack cuz somebody might come and steal it." Right? Said no one ever. So here's the thing, if you don't value it, you won't guard it. And sometimes what we the very things that God gives us, we don't value those things and we don't we don't guard this. Think about this in the natural. Just Google Home security. I don't know why I did this, because once I did it, I got all kind of anxious. Pages after pages after pages on how to protect your home. I mean, there was basically stuff like 35 ways to secure your home. Six inexpensive ways to guard your home. 101 ways to secure your home. Pages upon pages. Videos, blogs, expert advice. Get a bigger dog. Dude, I got a neighbor that I think a couple years ago, uh, actually a cougar got into his backyard, and he went and got the biggest dogs I've ever seen in my life. I mean, they're in a fence when we walk by; they still kind of scare me. I feel like I need to be packing to walk by that guy's house because these things are huge. But you know what happens? Is your enemy is like a lion. He's not the lion, but he's like a lion that prowls about seeking to kill, steal, and destroy. And I'm telling you what, sometimes you need to get a bigger dog. But how about the deposit that God gives to you? The encounter, the healing, the change of heart, the salvation experience, the promises. So here's a couple things that I think are important this morning. First of all, I've already said it recognize the value. Recognize the value. The men last weekend, for example, they sacrificed time, uh, committed their calendar, and God brought fire on it, and there was lives changed. And when you change the lives of those men, you change the lives of their family. Somebody say amen. Amen. When you change the lives of those men, you change the life of their children and their and their general when God when God deposited something in me and changed me, He changed the life of my family. That was valuable. And sometimes we don't, we don't realize how valuable it is. So they, they planned. They were willing to sow time and money and, and take in a day off or two. And then God shows up and He views the sacrifice and He consumed it. And there was a deposit. See, if you don't recognize the value, you won't guard it. The Bible records in both Samuel, uh, and, and 1 Chronicles a story about the Ark of the Presence, which represents the presence of God. And, and the presence of the, the Ark of the Presence, I mean, it was like the most important thing in the middle of Israel. And what had happened was the Philistines had actually went to battle and stole it. And it didn't work out well for them. And so they, just to just give you a quick thing not to go into it. So they returned it. So, man, this does not work for us. Let's get it back. And So basically, the ark was returned to Israel. And, and it was dropped off at the house of a man named Abinadab for safekeeping. And so we're going to pick up the story real quick in 1 Chronicles 13, 1-3. David consulted with the commanders of thousands and of hundreds and with every leader. And David said to all of the assembly of Israel, if it seems good to you and from the Lord our God, let us send abroad to our brothers who remain in all the lands of Israel as well to the priests and Levites in the cities that have passed your lands that they may be gathered to us. And this is what I want you to hear. Listen. Then let us bring again the ark of our God to us, for we did not seek it in the days of Saul. Here's the tragic point. When you read that, and you don't look at the context of it, what you don't realize is the Ark of the Presence, which is the most important thing that Israel should be centered about, had actually been in the house of Abinadab for 20 years. And David said, hey, hey wait a minute. There's something missing. There's, there, there's something missing here. And I think that we should bring again the Ark of God to us for 20 years, Israel had to know about the presence of the Lord, but not, they didn't have it at the center of their lives and they had not inquired of it since the days of Saul. I believe that the revival that we're seeing is that people that who have had a head knowledge of God, uh, a previous encounter with God are now recentering their life around the presence of God. There's something that's like, man, this has been out of order and we got to bring it back into Back into proper order. Man, we've missed something. I really believe, I was sharing with our men at Armor Up, I believe that's the revival. That people are realizing, man, the season that we've walked through, every idol in our nation has been torn down. The idol of recreation. I mean, this time last year, you couldn't even go camping, y'all. You remember? Couldn't even buy a fishing license. The idol of sports. The idol of government. The idol of finances. Man, it's crazy. But I believe that God's using it because basically it's turned the hearts of people into this place is like, okay, there is is a reprioritization that we need to have. There's a shift. See, a shift takes you from one place into another place. A shift takes you into that place where, wow, I was in neutral, but now I'm in forward gear. Or I was in reverse, but now I need to go forward. There's something that's so amazing that's happening, but we have to guard it. Amen? Recognizing that Jesus said it was to our advantage that He goes because He would send the Holy Spirit to those who believe and receive. Now this is crazy, but a lot of believers, they're they they they're pretty comfortable with the relationship between the Father and the Son, I'm good, and, and the Holy Spirit. Cool? But they treat the Holy Spirit like it's crazy Uncle Larry that you don't want showing up for Christmas or Thanksgiving because he might make you uncomfortable. Or it might be like, well, I just don't, I'm just don't know enough. Listen, we're on a journey, man. I don't know everything about the Lord. I don't know, we're on a journey, but you still walk in that place. Um, bro, how long have you guys been married? We'll pray for you after the service. Whoa. She's looking at you like, okay, big guy, here's how you basically step up. How, how long, Beth, how long have you been married? 16, 18. Oh my, I'll pray for both of you. Okay, well, let me ask you this question. They're conferring. What is your final answer? <laughs> okay, now, when you... Okay, when you... I'm going to ask her... When you committed to Him, did you know everything about Him? No, our eyes are this big around. I had no idea. I've been married for over 40 years. My wife will still tell you she doesn't know everything about me. And I don't know everything about her. How can we know everything about God? We're all on this journey. There's mysteries. And sometimes God makes you uncomfortable. I guarantee you, if Jesus was here at the altar call and He said, I'm going to pray for people that need their eyes open, and He's got a bucket of mud and He starts spitting into it to put it in your eye, you'd be like, whoa, that's way too much for me. But would you rather be uncomfortable or would you rather be healed? Would you rather be uncomfortable or would you rather be transformed? And listen, it is like it should be a natural thing for us To just walk in the things of the Spirit. God's Spirit resides in us. It's in you. Okay? But there's a journey. But we we have to we have to recognize that sometimes we haven't we haven't really centered and and understood that. Now, now let me. Jesus said it's to our advantage that he goes, because then he would send the Holy Spirit. Okay, so first Chronicles, I want to pick up the story again. Chapter 13, verses 6 through 9. And David and all Israel went up to Bela, that is to kiriath Jerem, that belongs to Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord who sits enthroned above the cherubim. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart. Somebody say new cart. From the house of Abinadab... And Uzzah and Ahio were driving the cart, And David and all Israel were celebrating before God with all their might, with song and lyres and harps and tambourines and cymbals and trumpets. Man, the worship team was smoking hot that day. They were going out. And when they came to the threshing floor of Shadon, Uzzah put out his hand to take hold of the ark for the oxen stumbled. Stumbled. And 1 Chronicles 13.10 records, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and he struck him down because he put his hand out to the ark and he died there before God. Now here's what I want to submit to you. Uzzah was Abinadab's son. He'd grown up with the presence of God in his home for over 20 years. And one translation said that basically God's reaction towards him because he was irreverent towards the presence of God. That should give you cause to pause. It's like, oh, I don't want to take this for granted. Don't ever take for granted what God is doing in your life. Don't ever take for granted that deposit, that moment, that encounter. One of the most important things about guarding is recognizing the value of what you've been given by God. Amen? So we pick up the story in 1 Chronicles 13. 13. So David did not take the ark into the city of David, but took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And the ark of God remained with the household of Obed-Edom in his house for three months, and the Lord blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that he had. Now here's a stark contrast between Abinadab and Obed-Edom. Here's the the central representation, ark of the presence of God in the house of Abe for 20, 22, 23 years. And it goes to the house of Obed-Edom and it says, and his whole household was blessed. Why? Because he received it differently. He didn't take it for granted. He welcomed the presence of God. In fact, it says that he was there for three months, and like, and, and then David kind of figured out how to move the ark the right way. You know, he goes back and he and he studies how the how you know back back in Leviticus how they were they were supposed to move the ark and he found, "Oh, yeah, we're not supposed to put it on a cart and the presence of God was never designed to be carried by boards and big wheels, right? It was actually it that was funny. Um it was designed to be carried on the shoulders of the priesthood. And so What's happening is that Obed Edom was blessed. And if I'm him, I'm like, what? It's only been three months. Can you see what's happening in my home? Can you see what's happening with my family? It's only been here for three months. Hey, I've been a that habit for 20 years, man. I should, I should at least get 10 because I'm seeing what's going on when I'm basically the, when I've welcomed the presence of God when I haven't taken it for granted. Man, he was blessed. There's something that that, that we have to understand. In Acts 19, 1-2, it says, and it happened that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus, and there he found some disciples. Okay, so disciples, they were believers of Jesus disciples he said so they found some disciples and he said to them did you receive the holy spirit when you believed and they said no we have not even heard that there is a holy spirit that's the relationship i'm talking about this morning that there were there were people that had not they'd received and they were followed and this was this was after the crucifix the death of the crucifixion the resurrection of jesus so this was like this is like after that and they're walking and then then Paul has to go to them and say, hey, 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 there's something a little bit more. Something Just a little bit more. Something you re- actually really need. You may not be totally comfortable with it because like, it is the Holy Ghost. Right? But we're spiritual people. The Spirit of God dwells in us. And what He wants to do is not just kind of like dwell in you. He wants to overflow in you. Jesus said this rivers of living water. Well, will come from your innermost being. I mean, you should have so much that's built up that's like, man, you got stuff to you got stuff to just I mean, God wants to move through you. He wants to equip you. He wants to anoint you. And that was the difference between Obed and Abinadab. See, there's a blessing when you welcome the wind that God is bringing and you welcome the breath that God is breathing. There's something about just like God I don't understand it all. I see it in your word, but I I, I just want to receive, and the enemy is just like a lion coming in to kill, steal, and destroy. And says, "Well, you know, Paul writes about that. You know, somehow that that some have a they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof." There's something that we have to. We get lulled into complacency, and we don't realize this is an amazing gift that we we need to value. So First Chronicles fifteen twenty eight through twenty nine, it says so all Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouting to the sound of horn trumpets, cymbals made loud. Me, it's kind of interesting how they just once again that passage reaffirms that. It's like I think the enemy is terrified with worship. It's like it's it's so key. And as the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out the window and saw King David dancing and celebrating, and she despised him in her heart. This was Michael. Uh, the accountant in Second in, in Samuel records that she was barren from thereafter. Now to me, that's really a scary place because number one, Robbie and I were talking about this and and she brought up a really good point. She says, you know, the thing that's interesting... Uh, to, to, to her was that, that Michael wasn't down there with the people. That actually Michael was up there as a spectator. I'm gonna tell you what, you, you can't be changed if you stay in a place of being a spectator and not a participator. If you spectate enough and you don't participate, you will actually become an armchair quarterback. Seriously, how many of us do that? We're watching the game, and we why did He throw that pass? Why did He call that play? Are you kidding me? Run the ball! Right? Because we're not in the game. We're, 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 we're spectating. But I'm telling you what, when you participate, it will change you. It will change you because then you become part of the mission. You become part of this, this incredible thing that Jesus is doing across the world. He's like, hey, hey, I just, hey, hey, I just want to breathe in you a little bit, my spirit. I want to equip you. I, I, I want to deposit some things in you, and guess what? It's going to take you places you never dreamed you would go. This is, this is, this is the heart of God. So, so anyway, as we move on, this what we find is there's three people, and there's three different responses to the presence of God, and there's three different outcomes. What's your response going to be? How do you guard well? I think you guard also by being on the offensive there's a There's a boxing axiom saying that says "The best defense is a good offense." So number one, I think you contend for the presence of God. You contend for it, not that you earn it, but take that deposit. I love what Pastor Joel says a lot. That's not your ceiling, that's your floor. Take that deposit, that encounter, that gift or word, and you contend for it. You contend for it. Paul writes to Timothy once again in First in, in 1 Timothy 1.18, This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you might wage the good warfare. That you take the things that God has deposited to you, those encounters. You don't try to make something happen, but you partner with it and you wage warfare over strategies and assignments that come against the purpose and promise of God in your life. You know, I, I, I've, I've had to walk through that in my life personally. Five, six years ago, I came down with a, with a, a really health threatening condition. And it was like, okay, Lord, I, I, you know, I need to I need to submit my heart to you. I don't know what's going on, et cetera, et cetera. I had prayer, man. And I had people that I mean, I had one, I had one lady that came up to me that I trust her, man. She's an intercessor, and she says, I saw you free and I saw you healed. I'm like, cool, it's gonna happen tomorrow. That's awesome. And it didn't happen the next day. I'm I'm good with it being a year. I can handle this for a year, Lord. Cool. It didn't happen in a year. It didn't happen in two years. It didn't happen in four years, and I'm and I'm like, and now now I'm, I'm like I'm struggling. But you know, you know what I what what I ended up doing, which which because I realized, man, I have got to I've got to contend, I've got to contend, I've got to I, I believe. I mean, I had prayer and I had words, and I felt like I I felt like I had a promise from the from the Lord that 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 he was gonna he was gonna bring me through this, and so I had to contend. And how did I contend? I contended with the Word of God. I contended with Psalm 103. It was something I prayed almost every morning for, for probably three or four or five years. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits who forgives all your iniquities and heals all of your all of your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. And I had to, I had to like, okay, I'm gonna contend, because I felt like I've heard from the Lord. So I gotta contend, and I contended by taking the word of God, and I'm like, okay, God, this is your word. Not that he needed to be reminded, but I needed to be reminded, and contend, and contend, and wage warfare. Like I said, don't try to make something happen, but partner and wage. Warfare. I mean, young people, the next time there's an opportunity, you know, every week you've got an opportunity to like, oh, I can either like you know go game with my friends or eat pizza or do this or whatever. But you know, I could actually meet on Wednesday night and I could encounter and participate in what God's doing in worship and in the word, and I actually could probably you know, contend for all the stuff that God's doing in my life. Second thing is cultivate the presence of God in your life. Pursue relationship. Sow into it. Breathe on it. Take partnership. I mean, change your calendar. Change your finances. Change your time. Change your priorities. You realize, okay... If I value what God has done in my life, I want to continue to value what God continues to want to do in my life. Paul writes to Timothy again in 2 Timothy 1.6 and he said, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying out of my hands. So we see that there had been this impartation. There had been this encounter. And then Paul says, okay, now, I want to remind you, fan it into flame. I want to remind you, Breathe on it, partner with it. Don't 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 just kind of take a position of being neutral or lackadaisical or irreverent. But actually, be proactive in this thing. I mean, think about this like with your health. Okay, I need to I need to I need to get healthy. I need to eat right and probably need to exercise. Dude, I did it one day. It was awesome. No. It's a lifestyle, man. It's a lifestyle. It's not just like the latest, greatest, special diet. You know, the latest, greatest, special diet is die with a T on the end. Right? It's a lifestyle. Lifestyle. This needs to be a lifestyle. Where you, where you say, God, I need you to breathe on me. Whatever you're doing, breathe on me. And I'll put... That's where you're breathing, God. I'm going to be there. Boom. Boom. <laughs> Wow, that's that, that men's summit or that oh youth 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 oh God's breathing man, I'm gonna be there. Because I'm gonna participate. I'm like a wood stove guy. How many of you guys like wood stoves? Wood stove guys? Have you realized that one log doesn't burn very well by itself? You know what I realized a while back? Two logs don't burn by them itself very well. Actually, it takes three. It's kind of crazy. Three-strand cord is not easily broken. The spiritual thing, I mean, I reckon, okay, there's something about man. I mean, yeah, two you can kind of do it. Three, boom, you can have a fire. And you got to keep stoking and fanning and bringing it up. And I would say that it's time to recognize our need for the Holy Spirit active, relational here and now. And if you've never had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, I'd encourage you to pursue and receive it this morning. You know, if you've been, or, or maybe, but I, I just, I need to be like Obed Edom blessed, excited, something shifted. That's who I am. Jesus has sought you out. He said, You didn't choose me, I chose you. So, first of all, I'd like to invite you to respond to the drawing that you're feeling from the Lord this morning and in faith respond by becoming a follower if you're here this morning maybe you're online with us and you just feel like man I just I feel what's happening I've just never responded to it listen I felt what was happening with my relationship with Robbie, but I had to actually make a response. You have to take a step of faith. Jesus said, you didn't choose Me, I chose you. He's drawing. If you're feeling the drawing and you've never taken that step, maybe you've heard about God, maybe you have that head knowledge, but it's never entered your heart, and you're saying, okay, today, I, whatever, whatever I'm sensing here, whatever that guy's talking about, I need it. Listen, and then the journey begins where you will learn Okay, you, I don't. I still don't have forty years of marriage figured out. But you take the step of faith and receive. So I'd like to close your eyes and just bow your your heads for just a moment. If you're here this morning and you say, "I want to take that step of faith by receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior," I've realized that there's been a distance between me and God. And it's been created on my part, not His part. He's there. He's there. And I'm telling you this morning, He is there. And all you need to do is you need to take that step and say, I, I declare today, I profess today, that I become a follower. If that's you, I want you to just raise your hand. If that's you today and you're saying, today is my day, I want to receive Jesus. I want to surrender to Him as Lord and Savior. If I didn't see you, please just, just give me a moment. It's real important. This is a day that heaven, heaven will rejoice.